Well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being a part of today. My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and if I haven't met you yet, I'd love to do so. After, after the service, I'll be hanging out in the lobby, and so I'm um, hey, really glad you came. Those of you that are here for the first time on Easter and chose to come back, thanks. Um, this is, as Mark said, this is a good place. It's a healthy place um, to be with a lot of really, really good people. Um, um, I know, and so hey, on Easter Sunday we had we had actually the largest attendance we've ever had before ever at Easter. So it's, it's really cool. We had over over if you take Good Friday and Easter Sunday all together, we had over a thousand people kind of come through this place, and so it was really cool um, um, to see that. Yeah, go for two. Yeah, next year, next year we'll do that. So, however, if we had two thousand people show up, guess what? We'd have big problems. We really would. And so um, this is why, as 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 uh, Pastor Lynn was mentioning, we have kind of the whole new wave um, building thing to come. It's not just to build bigger buildings. I mean, again, I've always said a building is only a tool. I don't, I wish we didn't have to build any buildings, you know. Um, I wish the weather was nice enough we could meet outside and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't work that way around here. And so we actually do need more space, more space to reach more people. So if the number of people that we feel God is calling us to reach out to were to come, we couldn't do it. We couldn't touch them well. And so why will God bring him here if we can't do anything with him? And so that's the real reason. So we want you to do the, the, uh, the whole new wave thing and look it through and, and continue. If, you've, if you're giving, wonderful, thank you. If you haven't considered giving that yet, if you just pray about it and think about it, whatever God tells you to do, that's what you should do. Uh, um, don't let us, you know, twist your arm or anything like that. But it's a really, really good thing. And so the devotion is great as well. So I hope you, um, hope you, you look in, into that. Well, um, um, this morning we're we're going to talk about, and we're entering kind of the whole topic of unshakable. That's the that's the that's our theme for this uh, particular message series, and and I really would 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 like to talk about in this whole thing of unshakable is thriving no matter what they throw at you. You know, thriving no matter what they throw at you. You got that? Now, as I was writing that down, thriving no matter what they throw at you, I thought, who's they? You know, who's they? You know. But then I started to think, you know, there's always a they, isn't there? They are always throwing stuff at you. No matter who they are, there's always a they. Right now, the they is my cable company. They are the they in my, in my particular life. Now, I did the brilliant thing um, a couple months ago or last month of cutting the cable. I cut the cable. But they don't like that. And so they keep calling me up and wondering why I, I have done those kinds of things. Airlines can be a they, can't they? You know, you know, you experience that kind of stuff, that they can, airline people at work can be a they, right? They can throw stuff at you. Or if you're a teacher, um, your students can be a what? A they, right? They can, they can do that. They can just be that. So there always seems to be in, in, in life the they's that are around us. Or just simply circumstances themselves can become so big and so overwhelming that, that they become the they. And we are going to, for the next couple of weeks, be looking at a person in the Bible named Daniel. Yeah, this is Daniel in the lion's den, um, Daniel, because when I think of the whole concept of being unshakable and thriving no matter what they throw at you, um, he would kind of stand out almost above most anybody in Scripture. Um, they threw a lot at him, and again and again, he was able to not just survive, but, but to thrive and, and to make it well. I've always, I've always liked this guy, and, and you've got to read about his whole story. It's a, it's a fascinating story. Um, the story is in the book of the Bible called what? Does anyone know? Daniel. There you go. Easy to find, easy to see. No problem. He was a normal kid dr- uh, growing up, and, and then all of a sudden, his whole world completely was shaken up. 
completely spun around and upside down. And that's what I want us to spend a few minutes on, talking about that part of his life. Would you, would you pray with me, please? So thanks, Jesus, now for this time that we've worshipped you and we worship you now as we consider your word and what your Holy Spirit would say to us and give me the words in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you were to turn in, in, in your Bible to the book of Daniel, um, the first verse, it starts out this way. It says this, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, this is setting the historical part of the book of Daniel and what's going on here. The Bible is not separated from history. It took place within the timeline of history and of things going on here. And around 2600 B.C., when this was um, um, all... Not 2600 B.C. 2600 years ago. How about that one? Uh, Let's go with that one. Uh, Otherwise, we're talking about cave writings and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, there are some pretty big players in the world in, in, that, in that era during that time. There were the, the Medes, and they were kind of in charge of the whole Median Empire. And then you had Egypt was going through their 26th dynasty, you know, and they were being built and expanding. And then you had the Babylonian Empire that was forming and becoming big and becoming strong. And kind of stuck at the very apex of where all these, these big, huge empires were coming in was a little teeny tiny country called Judah, or it used to be called Israel. Now it's called Judah. They're right there, this little tiny speck that's there. And all of these places kind of almost arrow into this place, and it's just a matter of time to which country gets them first. Well, guess what? It was Babylon. And they came in, came in and they surrounded them, and they besieged them, and they began to, to take them away. And stuck in the middle of Israel is a 15-year-old kid named Daniel. Daniel would be about 15 years old at, at the time, and like any 15-year-old Kid, you know, he would be freaked out when his country gets attacked and his city gets surrounded. And, and he would normally like to go to school and play basketball and chase girls or do whatever 15-year-old kids like to do with those days. His life becomes a whole lot more um, convoluted than that. Look at it again. It says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem, besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and replaced them in this treasure house of his God. Nebuchadnezzar is not by any means a godly guy. He is now the big they, you know, the they that's attacking life. He bullies his way into everywhere. He's going to actually come back into this story in the next couple of weeks. He's a show-off. And so what he does is he takes, he takes objects, important objects from the countries he Congress, and he puts them display in his house, you know, so you could see, you know, see, I kicked their rear end, I kicked their tail, look, I got, I got, I got their stuff. Now, now, he not only takes the objects that are in the different countries, he also takes the what? He also takes the people, okay? If he can yank out all the important people or all the people that he wants and take them back to his country, well, then he just simply disempowers that other place. And so he gathers people, and among those people that were taken into exile was a 15-year-old kid named Daniel. Now, this is all um, historical, but, but, you know, historical is, to us is just simply stuff we read about. If you had to live through it, it becomes personal, Okay. Now, this is a personal situation for a lot of people that their whole lives were completely turned around and, and changed over. I, I was thinking about this week. I, I read in the Half Moon Bay Review, accident shuts down 92. 
Some of you got caught in that, trying to commute home on Monday or Tuesday. You, know, you got stuck on it Monday. Yeah, you got stuck in that. Now, to me, because my commute is <laughs> really easy, um, I don't have to deal with it. To me, it's just an article and the half of a review. You know, it's no big deal for me. For you, you had to experience it. You had to live it, all the frustrations and all the hassles of it. That's true in all kinds of things. If it's just an article in the paper for me, it means the world to a lot of people. The car accident, there's now insurance to deal with and deductibles to deal with and tickets to possibly deal with and car repairs to deal with. Do, do, do you follow the huge part of it it is? To me, it's just simply a byline in the newspaper that I don't think much of it. We can read Daniel was exiled now into Babylon. Okay, that's just what happened to him. Do you understand if you were 15 years old and all of a sudden you were uprooted from everything you knew and loved and all your plans and your dreams in life going this way, all of a sudden they were... They were nothing. They were nothing. The girl you had a crush on, she's left behind. Your parents that you really cared about, they're left behind. You know, all the, everything that was familiar with you and for you is now left behind. The place you were dreaming about living when you grew up, that's left behind and is getting farther and farther away the farther and farther you, you travel. This is when the historical becomes the personal. When you're going through the trials, all of a sudden it hits you and it hits you home. It hits you at home, and it hits you hard, and it's real, real people, and it's massive change, and change can be unsettling to us. You've never been down that road before. You don't know what's going to happen, so how do you handle that? They are throwing stuff at you. They are throwing stuff at you, and you think, I don't know, how can I stay unshakable in a very shaky time? A few points, and and some of them are going to be just so obvious, but they're good to be reminded of. First of all, don't ever be surprised by problems in life. Just don't be surprised by them. We live in a broken world, um, a crazy world. Um, I don't know why we are, but we are. Even even I I am, you know. I'm surprised sometimes by all the problems we have in life. I I will do the old, I'll do this all the time, and, and, and I should know better. I'll do the old, you know, you pick up the pen, you know, you pick up a pen, you try and write, and the pen is out of ink, you know. I don't know how you respond to pens that are out of ink. For some reason, it becomes personal, you know. It becomes really personal to me as if the pen has conspired against me and my life. And so I will actually, you know, have the discussion with the pen. You, you, you know, you'll, you'll do this too. You know, the, the, you have one what? You have one job in life. That's all you have. You have only one reason to function. There's only one purpose that you have right now, and that is to write. And you can't even do that. You, you know, you, you, you do that as well. You know, it's like, and, and then you pick up another one, and that one doesn't work, you know. And all of a sudden now, the whole world is conspiring against me, you know, and God must be against me because all these things are going wrong in my life. I assume my life should be problem-free. Or all of a sudden, your car needs brakes, you know. And it's like, why me? You know, why do I have all these car repairs going on with my life? And we don't stop to realize pens, what? They run out of ink. And brakes, they what? They will wear out. That's just the, 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 the part of life. And then we sometimes think, man, you know, why do I do those kinds of things? Companies have downturns. People can do stupid things. I will shoot off my mouth and it's going to get me in trouble. And, and the problem really ca- happens is when we try and figure out 
how they align, and if they align, and if they start to align with too many things happening, you know, not just the pen, but the brakes, but also I owe income taxes, and my poverty taxes are now due, and also I have another car repair bill, and all of a sudden I have a medical thing that came up that I didn't know of. All of a sudden now, all these things are aligned, and when you have too many things aligned, we have to blame somebody, and so who do we start to blame? We start to blame God. You know, we start to think, God, what are you doing? You know, why are you doing it to me? You know, why are you doing these things? Two things I can handle. Three things, it's now God. You know, three things, it's now, it's now a God deal. So Peter says this, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fire trials you're going through. It's just strange thing, something strange or happened to you. Don't be surprised. It's just going to happen. In the message version, Jesus says this, in this world you'll experience difficulties. And there it is. Take heart, I've conquered the world. I've told you this so that trusting me, you'll be, and there's our word, unshakable. There it is, unshakable and deeply at peace. So how do I become deeply at peace in the midst of all this? Second thing is look for for ways that God might use it for good in your life. You know, we've heard this verse before, for I know the plans I have for you. You know, we've talked about that one. says the Lord, their plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope to give you a future and a hope. And, and for many, yes, I love that verse, you know. That's my favorite verse because all that has got hope and it's got future. And usually what we do is we'll pull it out of context. We'll kind of pop it out and put it into, into our own lives. Actually, the context or where that verse was originally written for was for Daniel and for Daniel's time. This is the Daniel situation when the Israelites or when the Judeans were actually pulled out of their land and now taken to Babylon. And they're sitting there in Babylon and they're thinking, what the heck is going on here? God's forgotten us. God's forgotten our lives. We're now sitting here in this desert place. We don't speak the language. We don't like the food, you know. We don't like the TV channels their cable gives us. They don't like any of this kind of stuff. These things are happening to them. So God must have screwed up somewhere. And so what they say is, they say to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you're a prophet. You tell us what God says. And here he comes. He says, so this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives who is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens, eat the food they produce. Mary, have kids, find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply, don't dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. And here it comes. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I promise, and I'll bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, the plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Sitting there in Babylon, complaining about the whole situation in life, does what? Nothing. Who does it make the most miserable sitting in Babylon and complaining? Saying is yourself. Self. It's this situation orchestrated by God. And, and man, if you want to read through the whole Old Testament, you'll understand why it happened and why it happened at this time. And the length of time and why it happened for this length of time. You'll, you'll, you'll see that. But he's saying, it does you no good to keep kicking against it. You're only going to make yourself miserable. And we've said before that God will shake things up in your life too. And, and one of five things, or all five, to inspect me, to correct me, to direct me, 
to protect me or to perfect me. You know, those are all a message in and of, of themselves. And he does. And he does each of these things. They're all true. And that's the personal nature of God working. He'll inspect. He's going to examine your heart. How do you handle Babylon? What's going on in your heart? You get frustrated at God, bugged at him? To correct you, to sift out what shouldn't be there, to direct, to protect, or even to perfect. All those kinds of things. We had an experience a number of years ago. Um, we were having a leadership meeting here. Um, some leaders in the church, we, were, we, we got them together, and, 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 and we were talking about you know, not only just goals and, and vision for the church and where God felt like I was going to take it, time prayer, but we also wanted to kind of have a bonding time to, to, to grow together. And so, so, so we were sitting in someone's living room, and, and, and I asked the question, or I, I, I asked them to talk about a time of great growth in your life. Just talk about a, a time of great growth in your life. You know, when was kind of like the, the greatest growth you've ever experienced in, in life? And, and I, I just left it wide open for that. And, and what happened is they began to share. Every single one of them began to share that the greatest growth happened in the time of the greatest trial. Wife's death, you know, layoff from work, battle with cancer, experiencing a divorce. You know, all those just crushing times that we would think how do I survive that kind of stuff and they all said I mean and again it wasn't a setup they all said that was the time I was experiencing the greatest growth greatest closeness with God was when I was having to go through those kinds of things next one believe God will use it for good in and we're tempted to write my life but I want you to write down someone else's life okay Believe that God will use it for good in someone else's life. Because unfortunately, it may not happen for the good in your own life. It may be for God to work a purpose in somebody else's life. There are like 7.1 billion other people out there, and what I'm going through may not have a whole lot to do with me at all. Listen to what it says in First, Second Corinthians. It says, Praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. So we might have comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. It's like, wow. I mean, can you live with that? You know, will you live with that? I always think it may not have a whole lot to do with you at all. Um, I think of... Uh, person, Joseph, I was just reading his story in the Bible, in the Old Testament book of Genesis. Another kid had all the future and life, you know, plans in life, and all of a sudden his brother's human trafficking sold him into slavery, sold him to Egypt. And for 30-some years, 20-some years, he was a slave and finally rose to a place of prominence. He's in a whole different country. His brothers came down, and he said, you meant it for bad, God meant it for good. I've been sent down here to save a lot of lives. It's not my plan. My life's ruined. It's screwed up. It's, it, it's gone. It's done. You know? Yeah, I've eked out a little bit of what I could here, but it's not the life I planned. And it's a brutal question, and this is a brutal question, and yeah, I ask myself this one all the time. Would I be willing to not have the life of my dreams so someone else can? Would I be willing to not have the plans of my life fulfilled in order for someone else to? 
Now, those of you that are parents, you understand that a little bit, that, yeah, I, I could do that. But talk about somebody you don't even know. Would you be willing to have the dreams of your life put on hold or completely X'd out so that somebody else could? And you kind of think, oh, brother, this is church. I know what I'm supposed to answer, but I don't feel comfortable answering it that way, you know? This one's a little bit hard to, to do. Would I be willing to experience a lousy life here just so I can learn how to give help and comfort to another so that their life can be better? Then we think about it a little bit deeper. When you do that, you're like somebody else that came down here to earth, you know, and who did not experience the greatest life that, quote, we would think he could have lived. And that would be who? Yeah, Jesus Christ. So when you say, God, I am willing to not have my life, the life of my dreams, so that other people can, you're becoming an awful lot like Jesus Christ. And this is why the Bible would say again and again, you'll lay down your life for others. You'll lay down your life for others. If you're married, you'll lay down your life for your spouse. If you're a parent, you'll lay down your life for your kids. If you're a kid, you'll lay down your life for your parents. If you're a friend, you'll lay down your life for other people. If you're a Christian, you'll lay down your life for everybody. That's what it would say again and again. Galatians 2.20 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. And I, and I was just thinking, and I had to come to this realization, the older I get, the more real it gets. Heaven gets a lot more real to me. <laughs> Once you pass 60, man, it gets really big and really nice looking. You just, you just begin to think, you know, it's okay that I don't have the life of my dreams here. I wasn't designed to have the life of my dreams here. The life of my dreams doesn't exist till another time. This is the life I can live for Christ. It's in this life now that we can live for Christ. And so when we want to complain and go through all the kind of, you know, my plans, my problems, just think what you're going through may be making another person's life better. So we look for it. How can my life be used to make another person's life better? Last one is trust God for what I don't understand. And you know I was going to talk about that one, you know. I trust God for what I don't understand. Because so much of it I don't. I, I'll never know. I don't know that. And that's going to make all the difference in the world is when I can trust God for that stuff. And I can trust God for my peace. To say, God, this may not be the life I dreamed of. I didn't write this. I didn't want it to be written this way, but you did. And I trust I trust you. Any of you remember the Wiggles on TV? Remember the Wiggles? Yeah, do not clap for that one. Okay. <laughs> remember the Wiggles? If you had a kid growing up, you had, had the Wiggles. They were on public TV, and they were for little kids, and they would sing and make music and do stupid stories. And little kids would love it. I mean, little kids would, would love it. They came out at the same time that Teletubbies came out. Remember Teletubbies? Remember Teletubbies? Yeah, Teletubbies were, were actually, I read something on that, and they were designed for actually, they were not six months old to two years. That's when Teletubbies were designed. And I always wondered why, because if I were a two-year-old and I would look at that big, huge, monstrous, alien-looking thing, I would have nightmares for the rest of my life. But anyway, Teletubbies, and I never liked the Wiggles very much. I was never a, a fan of them. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was the costumes they wore or something like that. But they'd dance around, and they'd try and play fake instruments, you know, as they'd dance around, all that kind of stuff. And they would sing songs, and the kids would love it. 
it. My kids would once in a while. We, we, we'd watch it. And they had a song that they sang. Now, I have, for the most part, forgotten the Wiggles or tried to forget the Wiggles, but I can't get the song out of my head, okay? It stuck for 20 years ahead. And some of you may remember it. It was an obscure song, but my kids picked it up, and we picked it up. And the song was called Shaky Shaky. Okay, you got it? Shaky, shaky. And what they would do is they would sing, you know, here we go, shaky, shaky, you know, because shaky is fun to do. You know, they do that. And so kids would get up and they start dancing, shaky, shaky. And because my kids are dancing, shaky, shaky, I do what? I'd sit and watch. No, I'm not going to. But I do shaky, shaky. Here we go, shaky, shaky. We come. Shaky is fun to do. And as I was thinking through this message, you know, that unshakable, 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 unshakable. I just started thinking about that song began to come into my head. Here we go, shaky, shaky. I thought, no, when your life is going through a hard time experience, shaky is not fun to do. Shaky is not fun to do at all. Shaky is hard to do. Shaky is hard to do. There's this other song. It was not written by the Wiggles, but by a writer a, a long time ago. And it's in the scriptures, and, and I personalized it a little bit for you and for me. It's Psalm 46. And it says this, God, you are my refuge and my strength. Always ready to help in times when I'm in trouble. So I will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. I always get the idea of Devil's Slide when I read that verse. Always think about Devil's Slide, you know. Ever walked it or if you lived here long enough when you drove it. If you ever look down the side, you see the water just roaring and foaming and boom against it. And if you lived here long enough, you know that Devil's Slide Mountain would continually, what, fall into the sea. (laughs) It would fall in and... um, but he says what? I will not fear. I'm not going to fear. I won't fear. That which is most stable in life, mountains. When mountains, the most stable thing in life, all of a sudden they begin to collapse. I'm not going to fear. Oceans, they, they are crazy anyway, and they get worse and worse. I don't have to fear for them. But my mountains in my life, what happens when the mountains begin to fall? It says what? I, I won't fear. Because, again, it would say this in verse 1, God, you are my refuge and my strength, always ready to help me in times when I'm in trouble. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Always, always there. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up right now. And I know some of you may be going through mountains sliding into the sea or that which is the most stable all of a sudden is collapsing on you. God is your refuge and your strength. Some of you, the unstable that's always been unstable is getting worse. God is your refuge and your strength. God is. You cling to him. He's always ready to help. Time's in trouble. I'm going to invite you to pray with me, would you please, right now? Maybe close your eyes and bow your head and I I want God I prayed for you this morning. I prayed that God would be very real to you at this point. I prayed for this time in the service that for you God would be so real to you now. His Holy Spirit would be grabbing hold of you tightly and 
whispering to you, it's going to be okay. I will be with you. You're not alone. You never have been, you never will be, so cling to me. And trust. And trust. You're not alone.